0: Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and we're on episode six of 30, not stopping anytime soon. Today is all about those Boston Red Sox, a team that has seen better days on the farm, but even if they aren't the strongest overall, they still have quite a few intriguing names littered throughout. We're going to break them all down right here, right now. So Red Sox fans, even though you can't go to Fenway this year, today I invite you to sit back and enjoy today's episode in the quiet of your own home or car. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number six, boys, we are fifth of the way through the pod, and today is all about those Boston Red Sox. We're breaking down the entire organization's top prospects you need to know. Here today to talk about New England's team, I've got my co-host and the Dean of Development, Mr.
1: Jake Tillinghast. Jake, tell me uh, tell me all about your life. I mean, I don't know. If you really want to hear all about my life, it's a pretty bland story, but... I mean, I was born and... Nope, middle, don't care but. anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I'm, I'm doing good today, man. You know, another day in the life of COVID-19 and just kind of grinding out the days and hoping everything can kind of get better. <laughs> I don't
0: know, that rounds out 2020, man. Just hope things get better. <laughs> Goodness. Well, hey, that, that AKA was brought to us today from uh, our good friend and a guy who's been featured on the site a couple of times, Justin Choi. Uh, over at Prospects Worldwide. He, he was on there a couple times in the past, but all the way from Seoul, South Korea. But Jake, let's focus on the task at hand, the Boston Red Sox top prospects. And we've got a good guest today, man. All the way back from Greenville, South Carolina, the home of the single A affiliates of these Boston Red Sox, we've got writer for Fantrax and fantasy baseball guru, Chris Clegg. Chris, since the last time you joined us, you've became a fantasy baseball Twitter sensation. And, uh... Well, I guess I hate you for it, but uh, I accept Prospects Worldwide as the reason for your fame. Uh, welcome back, man.
2: Hey, thank you so much, man. Hey, and it's a, a pleasure to be on and to, to talk some baseball with you guys and just talk about some prospects, man. I'm excited. Good system here. And uh, again, like like you said, it's a local team to me. So good chance to get to watch a lot of these guys and hopefully we'll get to watch them again in, in 21. It's like we've talked about, 2020's kind of sucked, but here we are. So, hey, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To yeah, so,
0: from Greenville, I was actually in Greenville this weekend. I uh, stopped by the Greenville Drive Stadium, and correct me if I'm wrong, That's an exact replica of Fenway, the field dimensions?
2: Yes, yeah, pretty much like to the T, Green Monster and everything.
0: So, it gives the, all these guys kind of like a little bit of heads up for like what to look for in the majors. So, so Blaze Jordan, when he goes through there, will be like, all right, I can hit a home run over this, I can hit a home run over Fenway. But, but Chris... Let's get down to it. You know the drill here. We'll talk about the top five guys and then hit five players you want to spotlight out of the remainder of the top 20. Number one at the very top, the Red Sox don't have the highest ranked farm system, but that doesn't stop them from having good names. That number one guy, Jeter Downs, 22 years old with a 50 plus future value. He's honestly, he's a pretty interesting case study. He's been a high prize of two high profile trades in recent years. Uh, First was December of 2018, got traded in that Kemp pui Wood trade. And then once more in the Mookie-Beck's trade uh, back in February. Jeter's scouting profile is certainly sterling, Uh, flashing 50-55s kind of all over the place. But when guys get flipped around like this, it's got to stunt their development a little bit. I'm sure he's already 22, so this should be like a prime year for him. And now we're stuck in this 2020 COVID mess where he's not going to be able to play a normal season. It feels like this is the perfect storm for that question we keep getting asked, You know, who's the most affected by COVID? Uh, Take all that into consideration. What can we reasonably expect out of Downs this year? Is he the guy that's going to be affected most out of COVID?
2: It's definitely possible, but the Red Sox have been doing a lot of good things down at their alternate training site. So he's been getting some work. And like you mentioned, it can be, I'm sure it's definitely frustrating for for Downs. Like He's bounced around so much, but I, I believe that this is probably his home to settle in. Like He's got a nice fit there. I think he's going to settle in at second base, most likely. I mean, we know they've got Bogarts at... It's shortstop, and it's it's possible that he could even debut next season, I think, and be their everyday second baseman. And there's just a lot to like there. I mean, a guy last year that hit 24 homers, stole 24 bases, um, hit 276 with a, a 362 on-base percentage. So there, there's a lot in the profile to like, and he's been a, a big riser in prospect rankings, and even especially in like the fantasy world, because I do a lot of that. And he's, he's a prospect that has a lot to offer and being kind of the, the main focal point of that trade, I think says a lot about what the Red Sox think about him because they dealt their, their franchise player in Mookie bets and to get down. So I just think that they see something in him. He's made strides like over the last year to become a more patient hitter at the plate. He worked counts a lot better in 2019 and he began to hit and use the entire field. So last season he hit six opposite field home runs and his first two seasons only hit one of those um, very smart and aggressive on the base path. Not like the the best runner in the world, but he makes a lot out of his speed. And so there's a lot to like there. Um, he fits well at second base, in my opinion, in the field. So just a prospect that, that there's a lot to like, and honestly, maybe a little underrated by a lot of people. I think he has all the makings to be like a, a great contributor, probably not like a stud or an all-star or anything of that nature, but but he's going to be a really solid contributor for the Red Sox and a guy that they really like in the future.
0: Sure. I'm always curious with a <clears throat> with a profile like this where you get traded once after another after another, I guess you can look at it one of two ways. You can either look at it like he's the guy that every team in baseball wants, that they're willing to trade the farm, they're willing to trade Mookie Betts, they're willing to trade uh, Alex Wood and Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig for. Or you can look at it from the perspective of the Reds and from the perspective of the Dodgers, like we saw what we had, we think other people are going to like him, but maybe we don't see it as the right fit. So it's almost like, did, did they know something that Jeter Downs isn't going to succeed? Jake, what do you think about that type of player, Uh, you know, I guess like Downs, is he going to be the player that maybe you see something like, he's probably not the fit for us, but maybe we can get something for him?
1: I think he's definitely a fit for all teams, and I think that can kind of be said by the reason he's been traded, like you guys touched on, he's been traded for two high-profile trades, so there's been three teams that have thought of him highly, and I think the Red Sox like is going to be his last stopping ground because I think his swing fits in well with him. I there is a lot of kind of guys to battle through on the depth chart there that are kind of in the way of him, but I do think he has the most complete profile of all the guys that are kind of standing in his way long term. Obviously, the defense isn't probably good enough for shortstop, but that's okay because they have Bogarts and probably not leaving anytime soon. So. He gets the ball in the air a ton. He gets it in the pole side a lot. And obviously, uh, Chris has said he's starting to show some more um, opposite field homers, which is nice. But in Fenway, the swing's going to be just perfect. And some people might see it as a downer that he's been traded three times. But I look at it as you get traded three times. Obviously, you think to yourself, dang, I just got traded. But if three other teams are willing to trade for you as one of the centerpieces for a Mookie Betts trade, or at the time, Kemp was a pretty good player, and then Alice Wood was a pretty high highly sought-after pitcher, I mean, Jeter Downs was... More so the focal point of both trades, Verdugo was there as well, but Jeter has probably the most upside of the group, and then we just kind of go from there, but I definitely think there's a fit for him. I just don't, I don't think it was more of this guy can't fit with us, I think it's just we can get a guy like Mookie Betts, so you just make that deal every time. Yeah, they just like the guy he reminds me of, Just I guess if you want to just talk about strictly like a statistic standpoint. Just kind of reminds me a little bit of Brian Dozier in a way. I mean, Dozier is probably a better defender at second, but he's not going to be that flat-out standout offensive guy with the batting average and all that. But he'll probably have a little better OBP as well. But the power and just overall um, just profile is not going to be one of those super all stars. But he'll probably find maybe one or two all stars in there. And by the end of his career, it's like this guy was actually pretty good. We just didn't probably talk about him enough, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at uh, Downs's baseball reference page right now, and and he's consistently like you know like the best of the best do he's consistently so much younger than everyone else in his league so the fact that he's able to you know put up that 507 slugging against you know people who are 3 years older than him at Rancho Cucamonga and same thing for Tulsa 4 years older than him at Tulsa the fact that he's able to compete such a at such a high level there being so much younger than everyone just proves that he's going to be successful at the major league level wherever you slot him in yeah very likely will Nice. Well, well, Chris, if it's all right with you, I want to go ahead and bounce to number two. Number two in your rankings, uh, we're looking at a big boy here, 6'4", 240 with a 50 future value. Again, he's only 20 years old, Tristan Cassis. Uh, the raw power is very real for Cassis. He was the only teen in the Red Sox org to even hit double-digit homers, and he hit 20. Outside of the power, are we getting anything else here? In his one year of A-ball, he had a more than respectable 250, slash line. So it seems like the bat and I kind of play well enough with this power.
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. And the, the hit tool kind of graded low, like at 35. But future value at, at 50 being like an average hit tool, he's already shown the ability to to hit for a decent average. Like you mentioned, like 256 last year is not terrible by any means, especially for a young player like Casis uh, at 20 years old, because he was 19 last year playing in, in single A. Um, so overall, like the numbers are good. Like he hits the ball on the ground a lot, kind of like Vlad Guerrero type. Like he's got that big raw power, but he just pounds it on the ground. Like last season, it was 43% ground ball rate, which isn't like Vlad's like a 50% ground ball rate hitter. So it's not as bad, but you do want to see like the launch angle improve a little bit and him hit the ball in the air more, like more line drives, more fly balls with how hard he hits the ball. Like they're going to fly out of the park and his profile is interesting. Like, there's not much speed. Like, no speed at all. Still managed to steal three bases, which is interesting. He's got <laughs> a great arm, but he's likely going to stick at first base. Like, he can play third, but um, definitely a first base like mold. Like, he's just built for it with the big power. Like, the raw power is a seventy grade. It's 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 a, a monster raw power there, and I, it's just a profile that I really like. He's patient at the plate. He walks a decent percent. He strikes out. A good bit, but not a ton. Like, 23% is not terrible. So not an awful strikeout rate. And he hits the ball, like, to both sides of the field well. So his opposite field hit rate is was nearly as high as his pull rate last year, which is encouraging, like, using all parts of the field well as signs of a good hitter. And just a player that I think can continue to develop. Like, I'm not expecting a great batting average out of him, but, like, he's a two fifty two sixty type of guy but in this environment it's not going to kill you. Like currently the major league batting average is like 231 right now in this weird season. <laughs> so overall like he's a good hitter and the power's there. Like he's a he's definitely a 30 home run threat in the future, maybe 35. Like he's pushing that kind of power and I think the game power will continue to develop more. So he's a guy that I really like. I got to watch him live quite a bit last year and really like what I saw there. So definitely he's got potential to continue potential to move up more into the system rankings, like he's probably not going to pass downs, but like in overall prospect rankings, I do think he can continue to move up there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely like Cassis a lot. I definitely do see him as a first baseman as well. I just don't think he's overall going to fit at third long term. Is it's a little, as you said, slow foot and all that. His range is pretty weak over there. But you stop him at first, and he's going to be your big power bat in the middle of the lineup, kind of like what they have right now. And Mitch Moreland, good bat, probably going to be a little more in the. um batting average and OBP departments and all that I, I I definitely kind of just agree with everything Chris said he's got the huge raw power that you look for I, you definitely want to see him hit the ball in the air more that's obviously a concern he's still young so, so some time to battle through that overall I mean for a power hitter he shows decent discipline at the plate he shows some good contact and stuff he has some high um, strikeout rates but not overly concerning and strikeouts are part of the game now so I'm not too overly, overly concerned he shows as Chris said ability to touch the ball and hit the ball all over the field with power with contact so I trust his ability to find the find the ball in the air more, and he'll tap into more of that raw power. And probably see him in the league, uh, probably in 20 and 21 if he shows a big year next year. But I'm thinking more probably 2022 now after this COVID situation, kind of going to slow him down a little bit.
0: So both of you say first base. He's got to go first base because he just doesn't have the range to play third. He does have that 60 arm though, so it's almost tempting for me to kind of put him in the outfield. To see if he can help out there, because obviously if Devers has to move over to first, I'm pretty sure you start Devers uh, over Casas. Would he be able to play in that outfield even with that 35 speed?
2: No, I think that he's either first base or DH. Like, I just don't see any other place. Like, his speed is not there. Like, he he doesn't move well as is, and like that's going to continue to like regress as he ages. I think, and so I don't I don't believe that he's really destined for anywhere, but a first baseman or a designated hitter.
1: I kind of agree. I will say that in Fenway, you can get away with playing more so poor defenders out and left due to how short the wall is and kind of what you can get to get away with. You're not really needed to cover as much ground because if it's a fly ball deep to left field, it's going to either go over the fence or it's going to hit the hit off the wall. And all you got to do is grab that ball and throw it in. And that's, they have Jackie pretty. Bradley Jr. in center. I will say I don't see Cass going to left field either. But that could mean someone could get thrown out there in those situations. I mean, heck, they had Manny Ramirez out there for a couple of years, and he was doing... I was just God about to say, man. The most famous <laughs> play that I've seen over and over again is that cutoff John man. Damon. <laughs> yeah, Johnny David. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that obviously doesn't go into the feeling aspect, but that's just mental. But yeah, I mean, he played out there for God knows how many years, and they got away with it. They were in the playoffs consistently and stuff. They won World Series with him out there. You can get away with it if the bat's going to play. Someone's going to have to step up and show some ability to play outfield but I don't I don't see anything as cases
0: sure well number three on this list is a 45 plus future value pitcher Brian Mata in 2018 Mata was well less than stellar as he walked nearly as many guys as he struck out but he did manage to cut that walk rate in half last year while also increasing that strikeout rate by two interestingly last year he made a jump from high A to double A in the middle of the year And on both sides of that jump, his percentages stayed roughly the same. 25% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. The main difference was in his batted ball profile, where he just pretty much lost the ability to induce ground balls. He went from 65% ground ball rate to 50. Also during that time, he allowed six home runs when previously he only allowed one. Is this batted ball profile just kind of a a blip on the radar and he's going to get it back? Or, Or do we need to see something? Is there something mechanically different here?
2: Yeah, so I think that overall, like he'll be okay. Like uh, he was a fast riser, so just the jump there, and just kind of struggling initially. Like he was absolutely dominant in high A last year. Like he had a one seven five ERA in, in fifty one innings, and he did struggle a little bit with the command upon promotion. But overall, like you can't deny what he did. Like he struck. I mean, the the walk rate, the way it dropped, was was significant. Mm-hmm. Now he did make a few tweaks. There wasn't a whole lot of change mechanically that was like noticeable, but he did do a few things to clean up his mechanics just to try to lower that walk rate to hone in his command. And the upside's tremendous here. Like if he can continue to lower that, like it's going to be tough for him to succeed with a 10% walk rate. Like he needs to decrease that a little more, but overall like, the upside's there to be a, a legit Major League starter. His stuff is is really good. Like a 60-grade fastball. It sits between 94 and 97. Has really good sync action. The curve, it needs a little work. The slider and the change-up are average to above-average pitches. But overall, he has like a nice arsenal. So the hope is that he continues to cut that in half. So he cut it in half in 2019. And I know we don't really have any numbers to go by this year. And the development... Is not the same, but you hope next year he comes out and he's a six or seven percent walk rate type guy. And with those improvements, like he really can be successful.
1: Yeah, I agree. He has a fun profile. I mean, he gets really nice thinking action on the fastball. I mean, he gets a crazy amount of ground balls. He had near 60 percent last year in 105 innings. Like, that's just pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, the stuff's nice. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, That was the first half of the year. He had 65 percent ground ball rate, it dropped to 50 when he got that promotion.
1: I mean, by the sounds of it, like you guys were saying, it sounds like it was a command issue. And if you're a sinker baller with command issues and you're not locating the ball correctly, you're going to not have the ball on the ground as much. But still, a 50% ground ball rate is nothing to spit at. That's still pretty solid. No, yeah, that's fair. But um, yeah, no, I get your point. It definitely dropped, and that's still good. But like, like Chris touched on, I think it just kind of has to come back to him kind of changing some mechanics, battling through some command issues. As he gets through those, I think... We'll start seeing, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a 60% ground ball guy. Regardless, like, I mean, like Chris said, he's got four good pitches, a plus fastball, which we've touched on, the slider, the changeup are nice. If he can just start commanding them a little bit better, just locating them better low in the zone, we're going to start seeing those numbers stay consistent. And overall, the profile is nice. And in Fenway, you kind of need to keep the ball on the ground because all it takes is just a little poke to left field, like we talked about earlier, to get the ball out. But I think the profile is good here. I mean, we just, like Chris said, we just got to see the command rise. And... As the command rises, he'll rise in the ranks. And I mean, heck, this guy's, we're going to see this guy eventually with the system, how poor it is right now with pitching. So this guy's going to be up. So get familiar with the name, Red Sox fans, because he'll be up at some point. He
0: is on the 60 man roster right now. Is he on there purely for developmental purposes, or are they possibly going to use him this year?
1: I wouldn't count on him coming up this year. I mean, it could happen for sure. Like, he's capable of coming out of the bullpen right now I don't think he's capable of starting can just kind of come in come in and mop up duties get some length if needed for us all that I think Mata could fill that role I would prefer to see them just continue to lengthen him out because they desperately need starters but I don't know that's my opinion
0: well, Jake, your, your opinion counts. I'll I'll go ahead and put it in the books. Your opinion is good, so we'll, we'll book it for that. Uh, but let's go on to number four. We already talked about Tristan Cases at number two, and now we're seeing a similar profile with Bobby Dahlbeck. The Red Sox are consistently finding these guys that are these huge power hitters. Dahlbeck led all Red Sox minor leaguers on home runs, regardless of age, but he only has a future hit tool of roughly 35. I did see his K percentage went down significantly last year from 37% all the way down to 25%. Is this a sign of something even better to come in the future? Are we going to see Dahlbeck's hit tool, I guess, advance even further?
2: Uh, It's not likely. He just hasn't shown that ability. He's going to be a below average hitter from that standpoint. Like you're probably looking at a a sub 250 type hitter, but the on-base skills are legit. Like he's very patient at the plate. Walks at a high clip, like thirteen percent last year, so that's definitely encouraging. And obviously, you mentioned like the raw power, like seventy grade there. Um, just like Casas is incredible, and he's got that that big raw power. So there's some definitely some swing and miss potential there. His strikeout rate's about twenty five percent, so not awful, but but not great either. Um, he actually runs decently well. He's like a forty grade speed, but he. He, de- he runs decent on the base pass, which is interesting. He stole six bases last year, um, hit 27 home runs. So the power's legit. The hit tool's probably going to stay like below average, like 240 ish, 245 maybe in a good year. But there's always a chance like these guys can develop into that. But right now it looks like we're looking at kind of a below average hit tool and just a big power type guy is what we're seeing here.
1: Just. The strict offensive profile, I mean, it reminds me a lot of just strictly just Ryus Hoskins. I mean, you're like you said, 230 to 250 average at best, and then you're just going to get a ton of walks. He's going to have probably a 350 to 360 OBP just based on the walk rate, and then you're going to get 35 homers in some years. So he reminds me a little bit of Hoskins. I don't think he's going to have the name value, but if you remember, Hoskins also wasn't really highly sought after. He came up when he was about 25 as well. I mean, Hoskins is already a 27-year-old first baseman, so... I think he could kind of fall into that same, I guess, mold. I don't know if he's ever going to hit that potential, but we're going to see him. And he's a little more versatile than I think Costanz is. Dalback has, I mean, we have have him as a 70 arm and a 50 fielder. That 50 fielder is obviously on the infield. I think he's a guy that could go out to right field, or he could definitely be that guy that goes out to left field and just handles left field, plays, plays the ball off the monster, goes out there with a good arm some speed out there so just good athleticism and he's just going to be that guy that's going to kind of hit you homers and stuff um I don't think he's ever going to be that three four hitter type he's going to kind of have to be that five six seven guy just because of his low batting average and all but you kind of want that because consistent ball and play he's going to strike out quite a bit but he's going to drive in a ton of runs for that team and he has potential to have a big offensive ceiling there
0: definitely an interesting offensive profile I'm looking back at his minor league numbers for the last four years and at each level he, it, it, if our listeners aren't familiar with WRC plus, it's just weighted runs created against the league average. So if you're over a hundred, you're better than the league average. Below a hundred, you're worse than the league average. He had a WRC plus over a hundred significantly every single year, except for when he was in AAA last year, and that's the first time in his career he felt he fell under a league average. So I would have loved to see a year in AAA against AAA competition to see if he could bump that back up to be either league average or better again. But now. He's stuck on a 60-man roster, when, and we're not able to see this development. So it, I'd be a lot more confident in his abilities to make the majors if he was sitting at 120, 130 WRC+, plus and A. But right now, it's just an unknown.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dalbeck, in, in his situation, he's getting kind of older. You definitely want to see just consistent production with him. I think just for players like him, as we kind of touched on the last podcast, I think for him specifically, I think it's actually a good situation being in the uh, alternate trading site just... He's facing actual MLB trying or not actual MLB pitchers. Let me rephrase that. Red Sox don't really have any MLB caliber pitchers on their roster, but they're getting. They're getting- You do realize Red Sox fans are going to be listening to this podcast, correct? I'm, I think Red Sox fans would agree with me when I said that. But um, yeah, I mean, but regardless, he's facing relative caliber MLB arms at that level that he would be facing in AAA. So I don't think it's too far off. He's getting guys that are getting sent down, getting sent back up and stuff. So he's facing decent enough talent day in, day out where he's going to get enough production or enough, uh, enough reps, I think this season.
0: All right. Well, okay. We'll we'll see what the, uh, what his future looks like for sure, but let's round out the top five. The Sox have what looks to be a truly fun prospect here with, with 80 current speed and a 45 future value. We've got a Gilberto Jimenez. Usually with great speed comes a bad hit tool. I'm looking at the future 55 hit here. Mix that with the plus arm and plus fielding. This kind of looks to be like a future top of the lineup to me. Is he a future legitimate defensive center fielder that also has a bat? Or am I just reading too much into this?
2: Yeah, he's natural in center field because of his speed and he covers a ton of ground. He's also got a plus arm to go with it, so... He has a nice set of tools overall, and like I think he's definitely a, a big league center fielder. But like you mentioned with the bat, like he's he's got the hit tool. It is still developing. He hit 359 last year. It was a smaller sample, so you take it with a grain of salt. But overall, like his hit tool is there. He's kind of like a slap hitter. Um, he's really good at beating out ground balls. He doesn't hit the ball extremely hard, but there is a lot to like here. I mean, he has good bat speed for his size, which is a positive. That means he could grow into more power, Um, but he does still have some refining at the plate to do, but you are looking at a a legit center fielder uh, that this can hit. That's going to steal a lot of bases and isn't going to be a zero in home runs either. So overall, it's like an interesting profile and it's even more interesting to think that he could continue to grow into this and potentially could be a star. And so it's interesting to look at that and, and see what the future could be for, for him. And I think there's a lot of talent there and a lot to like overall in the profile. Jake,
0: uh, before you go, <laughs> I want to laugh at something real quick with you. Uh, he has 80 grade speed. I think that's very easy to see. Looking at his numbers, last year he was, uh, well, over the last two years, 30 stolen bases, 20 caught stealing. So a terrible success rate.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah it just comes down to not everyone is able to get those jumps and stuff. And he trusts his speed too much and he gets on base and he tries to run and tries to bump up his stolen base totals. And he bumps up his caught ceiling totals at the same time. So, I mean, it's kind of just what it is at, at this point. Like he's a, he was a young kid. Um, I expect that to kind of iron out a little bit as he gets older and gets more kind of fine tuned coaching and all that. But, um, the concern I have with him is just a 64% ground ball rate. Um, I would like to see him get the ball a little bit on the air more. Obviously, with the 80-grade speed, it is what it is. You're just gonna put, he's maybe just trying to put the ball in play. But I do think, as Chris said, I think he's going to grow into more power. I mean, he's, he's really light. He's still really, really small. He's going to grow into more strength. And as Chris said, just some people don't really see these kind of hitters as future power guys. But, I mean, if people show the ability to find barrels, as Jimenez does... At that age and there's still projection left in the body i mean this, like we have him at 160 right now he's still very small he's gonna get a lot bigger a lot of strength in the body and he's in to in our opinion find power i mean you you end up growing into power as you kind of get your mad muscles more or less and when you have the hit ability you're gonna find consistent balls over the fence not consistent maybe but you'll find balls that go over the fence the only thing with him is he needs to get the ball in the air more if he's hitting the ball in the air 20 percent of the time he's probably not going to find many that find the way over the fence But I just want to see him more get the ball on the line more with the line drive rate being 16%. That's kind of needs to be his game, just find the ball in the gaps and all. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jimenez, though.
0: Well, Chris, Jake, give me one moment. Let's take a quick break from a sponsor. I want to get back to this conversation right after the break. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at grande and BS pod. That's G R A N D E and BS pod. Thanks. And we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. Thank you guys. This is going to be an exciting partnership we have coming up. I look forward to some pods with them in the the future, but in the meantime, we're talking Red Sox. Let's get back at it. Uh, Chris, we talked about how after the top five, we're going to do these spotlight guys. Uh, your spotlight number one is the very next guy on the list, number six overall, and I don't blame you. It's Noah Song. It's an, it's a great story for sure. When I first saw Song at Navy, I kind of saw him as like a high floor, limited ceiling guy. Just you kind of get what you see, but I'll eat my words on that. Song is a lot more than that. He's got a 99 mile an hour heater, a plus change up, two distinct breaking pitches, all wrapped up in a 45-50 command. Obviously, he has a military commitment being a Navy grad. How long is that expected to last first?
2: It's a two year commitment. And so it's scheduled to expire next May, I'm pretty sure. Um, but you never know like what can happen. Like he's applied for a waiver to to get that early release. And originally, like it was approved. and then, like they came back and it was denied again. So a lot of weird things happen with that. So it's just hard to say for sure, but hopefully he's back like mid next season, okay because, He's a stud. Like this kid's legit. Yeah.
0: So I was going to ask you if if he does come back, what are we going to get?
2: I mean, this is a well-rounded guy with with four a nice four-pitch mix, uh, two-plus offerings with a fastball and curve. The slider and changeup are also great pitches. Like if he was playing right now and had been consistently developing, like I really think he has an argument to be their number three prospect and even potential to be number two. Like he's that good, and I'm that high on him. And he pitched a little bit last season, only 17 innings, but he just flashed what he was capable of. And 17 innings, a 106 ERA, a .88 whip, 29.2% strikeout rate. His senior year at Navy, he led the league striking out 15.4 batters per nine. And he probably would have been drafted higher than fourth round if they if teams knew that he didn't have that commitment. Like you mentioned, the four seam tops out at 99. The curveball slider combo are nice strikeout pitches. Uh, He's used the changeup more frequently, like last year in his professional debut, which was encouraging because he didn't use that a lot in college. But like I mentioned, the upside's there for him to continue to climb up the ladder. They knew his commitment level to the Navy and what he would have to do, and they still committed fourth-round money to him. So they saw what he was capable of and, and decided they wanted to buy in on that. So I think they think very highly of him. I think very highly of him and think the stuff is really, really good.
1: Yeah, I think his stuff is legit, just like you just said. The only concerns I have with him is just, like you said, the Navy. All that kind of situations, kind of clouding him. As you said, he'll probably be back next year. I'm just worried with how he's kind of held up in the timeout. I'm not sure if he's just <laughs> been able to throw all and all over there and all that kind of stuff in the off season if he's able to throw any bit. But just kind of building up arm strength and just endurance to kind of be that starter, again, that you can kind of count on, isn't it? I think takes some time and not the fact that he's never going to be able to be a starter just the fact that he'll probably come over as we said next year he'll be i think he'll be 24 next year so it's going to probably take him at least a year and a half to kind of get that strength and uh kind of build up innings you're going to want to at least see him kind of have 100 100 innings at season at least in the minors or at least close to it and build up to a next another season but like chris said the wait the weight is worth it if they play it slow with him if they try to rush it i'm concerned with it i'm worried that they might try to throw him in the bullpen but with the depth on this team like we mentioned before they really have nothing in terms of oh we can we can do this because our starting pitching depth is good they don't have anything in terms of that so they'd be stupid not to make this try to work at least for a couple years and i mean if he if you have this guy debut at 25 26 it's not a big deal you're still going to have him through his entire prime so it's worth the wait as chris said it's just just don't forget about him because we might not see this guy, like I said, until he's 25, 26. And at that point, when a starting pitcher comes out, up at that age, everyone's usually, all right, let's see what he's got. But, I mean, guys have come up and been all-stars. And even Cy Youngs. look at Jacob He came up pretty later in his career as well. So players like that do come around. So this guy could be the next one. I mean, we just got to kind of wait and see.
0: But, but let's keep moving on down your spotlights. Number seven on your top 20 is uh, Jaron Duran. He's a 45-grade outfielder, and to me, Duran's case for an interesting hit tool, it doesn't just lie in his 55-future hit, it's also in his batted ball profile. He is hitting 40% oppo shots, just like we talked about with Tristan Cases, and that puts him fifth in the minors uh, among players with 500 at-bats. So with today's shifting, he's virtually unshiftable because he can put the ball wherever he wants. He does rock a bit of a high ground ball rate. So a lot of that oppo shot is just going to go right to the shortstop or third baseman. Uh, But if he can elevate the ball a bit more, what's the limit for Duran?
2: He's definitely got a nice upside and he's a guy who I think could creep into the top five prospects in the system. He's a little older for prospect. He's 23 right now and in double a last season, but the Red Sox have this weird thing of hitters. They like in the system. They're either like all raw power or like all speed. And Duran's like another one of those speed guys. I mean, he's a 70-grade speed, and he stole 46 bases last year. And he runs a lot because he was caught stealing 13 times. And like you mentioned with the hit tool, he, he hit 303 last year. And currently, we've got him graded at a below average, like at a 45 hit, future 55. So, again, there's a jump there. But the hit tool definitely has potential to grow, even with that great batting average. Like last season, in his first two months of high A, he he hit nearly 400. So he's a solid hit tool. He struggled a bit upon his promotion to double-A, but there's a lot of excitement here. His swing works well overall with his with his plus plus-plus speed there. And his swing's very compact from the left side. He beats out ground balls routinely. He causes a lot of issues on the base paths. The power's a little below average, but he could develop into like a 10 to 15 home run type guy with exceptional speed and great batting average. So... This is a guy who has a lot to offer at the plate and not the best fielder. He's got a weak arm and below average in the field. But when you offer what he does at the plate, like they're going to find a spot for him to play. And I think that he could potentially be up next season because of age. Like he's had more time to develop now in the in the alternate training site, which is good. And I'm hopeful that he's a big riser next year. Like he's an exciting guy to watch. And I think that he could really – fly through this system
1: i'm a little lower on the power at least i was going into this year there's been kind of reports that have been saying that he's kind of kind of changing a little bit with his uh pre-pitch hand placement and all that hand positioning and just kind of how he holds himself at the plate and he's kind of tapping into a little bit more power so we could start seeing that power kind of come into play so yeah i'd like to see that when i can but the hit tool is legitimate as chris said the speeds plus plus He's going to steal a ton of bases. He's aggressive out there. He's going to be that pest and just kind of the, like top of the order guy. Kind of um, him and Gilberto. I think that's saying that right. I can't even say his name right. Gilberto but, Jimenez. Yeah, there you go. They're kind of similar um, offensive profiles in a way. Just kind of that like legitimate speed, plus, plus speed. Um, just that nice hit tool is going to be an above average hit tool. Going to be in about that 260, 270 range. Potential for even more if they just kind of consistently get their mechanics straightened out and, Yeah, I mean, I think Duran has the potential to just play all over the outfield. He's probably not going to be much of a center fielder just due to the overall, just kind of like the weak arm and the feeling is not great, but he can fill in there just because of the speed. Uh, He'll probably be that left field profile possibly a right fielder in Fenway just because of the range needed out there more so in left. You would like to see a better arm in right, obviously, but kind of is what it is at this point with them.
0: Well, Chris, let's keep on moving down. Since you helped us with so many of our draft episodes, you know our scout Zach Silverman of the Dugout Edge. He, He despises when teams grabbed relievers early, and the Red Sox did just that. They took Thad Ward as their fifth selection in 2018 out of 40 picks in that draft. Uh, he's actually proved to be a fairly consistent starter for them now, and now he slots in at number nine where we where we land here. He's got an ERA in the low twos and 11 strikeouts per nine through 126 innings last year. Only one guy beat him, and that was consensus top 50 prospect Ian Anderson. He's the only one in all of minors that had as many strikeouts and as many innings pitched. He relied mostly on a three-pitch mix, but does he have enough stuff in command to turn this one year of starting into a track record ready for the majors?
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, He made a really smooth transition. It's interesting because like that's normally tough to transition from being a reliever in college to a starter right out the gate. But then he compiled innings, he struck guys out, pitched to a low ERA. Like He did everything you want him to do. He really forces guys to hit the ball on the ground a lot, which is when you couple that with his K percentage, makes for a really good pitcher. And when you're capable of forcing guys to put it on the ground at at a forty-seven percent rate, when you strike out hitters at thirty percent rate, like that's that's good stuff. Like that's the makings of a really good pitcher. Like he's really athletic. He pounds the strike zone well. His two seam has nice sink action to it. Runs about ninety-six miles an hour. Um, he's really gained control of his changeup and has a good feel for that pitch. And he's a guy and another guy I think can move up the system really fast. Like he was in high last year, but he's older. He's a college guy. He was 23. And so there's definitely a lot to like here. That slider's deadly, a good fastball changeup. The command is improved and you can't deny what he did statistically. Like he just got it done and he looks to be legitimate. And I think he does stick as a starter, like based on everything I've seen, like he, he has everything you need to be able to stick there. And the transition was so seamless. Like I really like what he did.
0: Well, you talk about the command improving, uh, Last year, he went from three walks per nine to five walks per nine. Is that, I guess, one of those situations where, like, yes, the command did improve, but just this, the stats didn't show? You have to watch the film to see proper command and control?
2: Yeah, overall, like, it's sometimes you have to look at it at a different angle. Like, when you look at the walks per nine versus the walk percent, like, he walked 10.9% of batters, which doesn't look nearly as bad as when you say five batters per nine innings. True. And so – you can look at it from both angles. Like it, it wasn't great, but it was improved. Like from him being a reliever in college, like he, he pounded the strikes on more and more consistently. And I think it's just something that will continue to improve. So like I'm looking at the walk percentage as opposed to the, the walks per nine and just see it in a different light, I think kind of, kind of helps there.
0: That's fair. Uh, Jake, what do you think
1: about Ward? Yeah, I kind of agree with Chris overall. I think he's I think he's going to be a starter in this system. In another system, he might get forced out of a starter role if they had some capable starters and stuff above him, but he's got the stuff to last. He would definitely get the shot. Uh, I don't think the Red Sox have any business shoving him in the bullpen. He's showing the capability, as we said, to kind of make outs, get outs. He's not going to kind of overpower anyone, but he finds ways to get strikeouts. It's kind of an interesting profile. Like I said, he's not going to just... Kind of flash at you, just be like, oh dang, this guy is like a 30% K rate guy. But then you look at the stats, and he's a 30% K rate guy, and he's got a nice ground ball rate as well. So he's got an improving changeup, as Chris mentioned as well. The fastball we we, what we like a lot. It's got some good sink action. The slider's his best pitch. It, that's where he's getting a lot of his strikeouts on, and likely going forward it will be his best pitch um he will need to kind of improve the changeup as well as he's kind of has been just kind of keep seeing more command with it and just overall just more ability to use it in just different counts more or less and not just more versus lefties use it sometimes versus righties as well because in my opinion right versus right changeup is one of the better pitches in the baseball if you can locate it correctly if you can't it is what it is you're going to see that ball over the monster but if he can locate that well, it's going to add a lot to him. And being just that three-pitch pitcher he doesn't have that fourth pitch to kind of wrinkle in there, he'll need that. Uh, we'll see how he kind of comes out next year firing. We'll see where they kind of place him And I'm assuming he'll probably be in double-A right away and maybe make a jump into triple-A. And we could see him. I mean, he, we could see him debut if he shows up well. They don't have much blocking him.
0: I'm curious at, at his stats in those uh, in those levels. Because last year among A-ball and high-A, he consistently outperformed his FIP. And his expected FIP. So law of averages say he's probably going to increase a little bit his ERA. But if he can maintain that ERA down, he can just beat one of those pitchers that is just going to be outperforming his FIP no matter what. Uh, And that is obviously something that you want because it says you're going to allow more runs than you actually do. That's good. Uh, But let's keep on reaching. Let's keep on going down. We're going to be reaching the teens. We're at number 11 here. And most Red Sox fans know exactly who this guy is. Uh, We're talking about Jay Groom. Former 12 overall pick, he was the highly touted and then highly injured. Uh, with a healthy Groom, we ought to see a lights-out curveball and, and a fastball in the mid-90s, but consistency's been an issue through all of his setbacks. Can we even predict what we're going to get out of Groom? Um, it, it, I guess We can assume the strikeouts are going to be there, but will the command and consistency be there after all this time?
2: It's hard to say for sure. I mean, he's only thrown 66 innings in four years as professional, which is definitely... I'm sure frustrating for the Red Sox who spent a lot of money and a high draft pick on him. Honestly, I like pitchers when they come back after Tommy John. For the most part, it may take him a little time. Like he came, he returned last August, and he only got four innings of work in. Um, but the four innings were solid. But now he's had a whole year. Like we haven't been able to see him. We don't know really what he's done. He was actually pitching today in, a, in an inter squad game at the at the uh, alternate training site. I didn't get to see a whole lot of it, but I did see he was throwing, so I'm interested in looking back and seeing how he performed. Like the potential is obviously there for like a high-end starting pitcher, but some guys just can't stay healthy, and that seems to be the concern with him that he just can't stay on the field. But if he can, there's a lot of potential. Like you mentioned, the curveball's deadly. He's got a, a high fastball that, I mean, runs up to 96 miles an hour. There's a lot to like here. He's, he's a good overall athlete, has a clean delivery, which makes me think that he'll regain form after TJ surgery. Um, and this would have been the big development year for him. Like, if he had had this minor league season, it would have been huge for him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that last statement. He's definitely got to show it next year. This was a big year. He's kind of missing, as you said, with just kind of out of his control. Obviously, it's just really nothing he can really do about it, but – I mean, you hope he's out there kind of grinding and improving his body and getting better. As you said, I'm a fan, not a fan of Tommy John surgery, but pitchers after Tommy John, if you think about it, they're out there literally a year straight of just working their muscle, working their arm out and more than they've ever probably had before. Their arm's going to come out of that surgery in better shape than it's, probably ever been um yeah i mean overall tommy john's not as bad as it used to be i'm not too overly concerned with that kind of stuff anymore but the profile with groom is just it's fun i mean he's a good pitcher it's just the health if he can be healthy i think he'll be successful i just i don't know if he's gonna be able to stay healthy i do think he could last as a starter as well it just kind of comes down to what he makes of this year and how he comes out looking next year because next year is a make or break year if he comes out flat Early in the year, he's going to sit in high A pretty much the whole year as a 22-year-old, and that's not what you're looking for as a guy who's been in your system for, God, four or five years now. I mean, he's been in the system for quite some time, so you need to see some production out of him for sure.
0: Uh, Over the last 90 seconds or so, I've been watching videos of Jay Grimm's outing today, Chris, and uh, he faced eight hitters, He got four outs, which were three strikeouts. All three of those strikeouts, the strikeout pitch was the curveball. He was bouncing a couple. He was a little wild with his fastball. He did allow four hits, two doubles and two singles. So overall, it's that consistency game we're talking about. When he has it, that curveball is lights out. He's striking people out with it. But then he allows just too much contact, where even even one of the outs was F7 to left field. So the ball could have gone out. The ball could have, you know, Babbitt could have let that hit, could have let that fall. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what groom does because that consistency is key here. And I mean, just these eight batters, he was all over the place.
2: Yeah. It's kind of sadly what I expected to to see or hear, you know, you hope for better, but that's kind of what he's become. And, you know, now we're a year away from him returning from Tommy John surgery. And you expect a little better command at this point, but again, there's been a lot of lost development time. We don't know what he was doing, like as, as he was quarantined, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like, like we said, this this next year is really going to be make or break for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, well, let's go on. Let's go to the last guy in your spotlight list. It's uh, Connor Wong. He was another piece of that Mookie Betts trade that we had with uh, Jeter Downs earlier, and Wong brings versatility, some pop, and some defensive effort behind the plate he's listed as a 50 fielder at catcher. I'm curious what you guys think of him at other positions. Cause I know he does play a couple others. Um, he played, I think he plays second and third. So he kind of brings in shades of like Austin Barnes from, you know, the Dodgers, like, like he, like he came from, uh, do you think he's going to stick behind the plate or with his limited hit profile is, is his bat even going to play there? Does he have to kind of play that, be that super utility guy?
2: I think that, he will probably play all over the place, but he does have a lot of value at catcher. I think like in the landscape of what we see today from catchers, like he, he fits the mold decently. Like, and honestly he's got a little bit of JT Real Muto in him. Like the speed is good. The hit tool is probably better than we give him credit for. He's got good power. He strikes out a lot. So kind of not JT there, but the profile is very interesting and and I really like what he offers again in that deal coming over and from the Red Sox dealing their franchise player like obviously Downs was the big piece but they really liked Wong as well like he was originally a shortstop in college so he's very athletic he moved behind the plate and he's now the best catcher in the Red Sox farm system he's more than capable of sticking there if they choose for him to stay there I think that's probably going to be a lot on the team in, in their choice. He swings pretty freely, which has led to power, but also led to more strikeouts and the strikeout rate is concerning. So like he's got the potential to be a solid player, but he's also got a lot of bus potential as well. But if he wants to stick behind the plate, I think he really needs to work on his framing and his ability to throw out runners. Um, if it doesn't work out, like we said, he could be a good utility guy, kind of like an Austin Barnes, like we said. But it is an interesting profile, and it's a profile that I think could work for him in the big leagues.
1: Yeah, I think there's a role for him somewhere on the team. I'm not sure if you're like you said, I don't think he's going to be a starter full-time. Full uh, the thing that could save him is if we move to electronic strike zone because these umpires still can't figure out what a strike and a ball is. But if they ever figure that out and go to electronics and figure out a good system – Wong's a guy that would benefit from it, and you can put him behind the plate, and he's going to give you pretty good offense. I mean, like Chris said, he's got, overall, other than like, the strikeout rate and the below average hit tool, other than that, I mean, he's going to give you a lot of power. He's going to give you speed. He's going to give you good base running ability, steal some bases. The guy he reminds me about is kind of Russell Martin, I guess, a little the same. Russell Martin played a few other positions in his career as well. I do think he's just an Austin Barnes clone in a way as well. Just came from the Dodgers, and I think they kind of were molding him in that same direction of uh, kind of take over for Barnes in a few years or whatever. But obviously they moved him with the Red Sox, and now he's there. I think the Red Sox are going to kind of use him in the same type of role and just kind of fill what's needed. Um, they have Vasquez right now, a catcher. Wong's obviously 24. He's getting pretty close. That will be ready. Well, he, I mean, we can maybe see him this year. I don't think we will. He's well, on the we'll sixty probably- man. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll come up. I don't know if he's going to get much time. It would just come down to if he produces or not at that point. But I think more likely we see him next year get a real shot at um, gaining a role on the team and seeing kind of what he can do. I mean, mostly all these guys that we mentioned are going to find their way, even if it's not to play. They're going to probably either be getting consistent playing time in the uh, whatever alternate site, or they're going to find their way and get some at-bats in the major leagues just due to their age and stuff. But... I'm excited to kind of see next year like a lot of these names are going to make a big jump in the system and kind of be producing for the Red Sox because they need a little bit of a head start because obviously they just lost Mookie. They have a lot of pitching questions. There's not really a lot of pitching questions on that way of the helping, but if they can settle their bats, they can go out and maybe find some arms. But uh, it's definitely an interesting system that we just covered.
0: Uh, Well, guys, uh, that's it for the top 20. I want to go back and take a broader look at the guys we didn't touch. Um, at 8 and 10, we have Nick York and Blaze Jordan, both of whom we spoke on extensively on that AL East pod that, that Chris and Zach Silverman were a part of. Um, so please go back and check that one out. Uh, from 12 to 16 on the list, we've got a streak of guys that include uh, the wicked slider of Tanner Hook, a, a couple of shortstop infield types and Matthew Lugo, CJ Chatham, and, and Brainerd Banaki, and they're rounded out with the power outfielder Nick Decker. Uh, the bottom of the 20 uh, is yet another shortstop. We got Anthony Flores and then two pitchers, lefty Chris Murphy and righty Aldo Ramirez. But Chris, like I've been doing throughout this, I want to challenge you to go further down the list, outside the top 20. Give me some guys with some names who either just missed the list or someone who's going to be making an appearance on here soon.
2: Yeah, sure. The The next guy, the first guy off the list was uh, Ryan Seferjan. I think I'm pronouncing that right.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's an A-plus name, at least. Yeah.
2: Definitely 80 grade name there. Um, he was the third round selection in 2019 by the Red Sox out of uh, Kansas. Right-handed pitcher, big dude, 6'5", 225. So there's a lot to like there. He's got a pretty good profile. Um, Fastball solid. hit Has hit 98 with it consistently like 93 to 95. That's a nice sync action to it as well. Um, the slider is also has a nice 10-4 shape in, which I like. Um, it shows nice depth and bite to it. Um, it's probably his his best pitch overall. He buries it down in the zone. It just it works really well. Uh, he's got a nice changeup and curve as well that I like. Um, so he's a guy that could easily jump in to that top twenty and even move up more because last season in his uh, short season debut he only pitched twenty two innings, but overall it was not the best. I mean. He got hit up pretty good, but the strikeout numbers were there. He had a four or five ERA, but he was striking out almost thirteen batters in nine. So, very good strikeout numbers, um, and kind of showed that in college as well. So, it's an interesting profile that I think could really grow and move up the system pretty quick.
0: Yeah, compare that to his college numbers and their and his Cape Cod numbers. They're all virtually identical. Three straight years of twelve strikeouts, five walks per nine. And obviously, we like those walk rates to go down, but he, he's the model of consistency, at least.
2: Yeah, definitely. Whether good or bad, he's consistent.
0: <laughs> well, who, who else do you have? Do you have anyone else you want to spotlight there before we move on to our uh, overrated, underrated guys?
2: Yeah, sure. So Cameron Cannon is an, another guy that I like a lot who who just missed being inside the, the top 20. He was a second-round selection last year. He's a little undersized. Um, he's 5'10", so not... Too undersized because, like, I'm I'm five foot nine myself, so I can't really I don't want to call five ten undersized, Um, but he's got a nice compact frame, good overall athlete. He played at Arizona, like, which solid college baseball program, and and really excelled. Like, his his junior year before getting drafted, he hit three ninety seven, so pretty impressive there. Some decent power. He hit eight home runs both his sophomore and his junior year, Um, and that the transition didn't go super well he hit 205 um, in his short season debut with three home runs but but overall like there's some interesting things to like in the profile and I think that it's a guy that could improve and he profiles as a second baseman he's likely probably a utility role long term and I hate to throw that label on him but I don't see him as like a, a definite starter at second like we said with with downs but overall like it's an impressive or a decent profile that that is improving, but still the bat needs to show some improvement overall. If he wants to ultimately be an everyday type guy, the last guy that was, did just miss the list was, was Bray Bello. Um, he's a, a pitcher out of the DR um, young guy, 21 years old, very athletic. He's got a lot of projection in the frame. He's 6'1", 170, So There's a lot of projection like to see there. He's, he's kind of on the skinny side, but I think he can, Really grow into that that frame. He's kind of got some loose mechanics, um, but he throws from the three three quarters arm slot. Uh, lands. He's on the front side of the mound there. Um, he could do a better job of like getting his lower half in, but he does get good extension overall. Looking at what he's done so far, like he's been pretty good. He was promoted um, to Greenville last year, which again local to me, and didn't didn't pitch great, um, but overall solid profile. I think there's some room to grow still. He's got a good fastball that tops at 98, but the command is just, again, the command's the struggle. And that's the hope that he kind of hones that in because in 2018 in rookie ball, like he looked the part, like he looked impressive. So 2019 was not the ideal year, but I think he can continue to grow because he was older when he signed. Most of these foreign guys sign at 16 and he didn't sign until he was 18. But it gives him a chance to really, I think, have some more development time. And it may take him a little longer to develop at the same time there.
0: I mean, you talk about that Greenville jump. He, he, he skipped Lowell entirely. He, he skipped a uh, short season, a ball entirely. He went from rookie to middle class, a ball. So if he was struggling, it's because they saw something that they wanted him to just see high competition immediately. So,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Jake, what do you think about the system as a whole?
1: Oh, I mean, the system as a whole is interesting. There's a lot of high upside kind of low floor guys, but I mean, it's definitely a fun system at the top. And then as you kind of get towards the bottom, you got to just kind of wait and see. And a lot of the, a few of these guys and a lot of them are kind of maybe they should be doing better than they are so far. I mean, they had some upside before and they just kind of haven't shown it like we've touched on a few of them, but I mean, just two guys I want to touch on that weren't. Um, ranked at all just they don't really deserve to be ranked per se but i think next year one of them will be ranked one of them you'll just see in the red sox uh, bullpen pretty soon as that guy is durbin felton durbin feltman i'm a big fan of him last year he had a t- kind of a tough year when he got moved up at double a i think he's just kind of overall just had a rough year honestly i think he has a lot of talent he's just strict reliever closer back at the bullpen guy he has a really good fastball and a slider both fastballs a plus pitch slider has the potential to be a plus pitch he gets a lot of swing and misses um he's just something that just kind of you'll see soon as a, as a red sox fan and then the other guy just their number one uh signing last year international signing juan chacon he's signed for i think it was a million dollars or just close to a million dollars uh out of venezuela last year And he's, he's an outfielder he's projectively he's 6'2 170 so he's got a lot of room to grow probably going to move into a corner outfielder role but um he's got some power projection some hit ability um, he's got some arm strength but he's fun to watch and I'm sure Red Sox fans are probably a little interested in him being their number one uh, signing last year so we'll see him next year and I'm sure he'll be a top 20 guy next year once some of these guys graduate and we kind of see this guy get some professional at bats
0: yeah I-, I can't speak on international players I really don't know them as well as you uh but Durbin Feldman is one where he was picked two picks before Thad Ward, or two rounds before Thad Ward. And here we are, Thad Ward being a top 10 player and Feldman being someone that you kind of have to mention after the fact. So I guess that's all because of his control issues.
1: Yeah, and it's just a starter potential and reliever strict with with Feldman for sure.
0: Sure. Well, uh, Chris, do you have anyone that you want to, you know, play that overrated underrated game with someone who maybe you think isn't in this top 20 that, that belongs, that deserves to be maybe just a little bit of seasoning or maybe someone that's in the top 20 that you're like, ah, I have an argument for him to be on the way out.
2: Yeah. I think those the three guys that I mentioned there could easily like slip in at some point really bellows a guy that could make that jump um, Zephyr John's another, another guy who I think has that upside to easily jump in. Um, a guy that I think we could end up seeing being overrated is Antoni Flores. Um, just I don't know, there's some interesting stuff in the profile. The hit tool was, was just awful last year, like he hit 193 and he struck out nearly 30% of the time. He just Ooh. didn't do much that makes us want to put him there, but. But he has the potential, like the upside's there, so that's why he's sitting at 18 in our rankings. But I think he could end up being one of those guys that's probably overrated. So that'd probably be my one that I would say is overrated. And my plug for Noah Song, because I'm a big Noah Song guy, I think he's underrated at six. Like When he plays, he's going to rise, and he's going to be a dude. Like He's going to be so good
0: i uh i'm looking at Antoni flores's numbers and he has an iso in double digits it's a 33 iso it's bad (laughs) he's not good (laughs) well guys uh chris and jake this has been a lot of fun uh i'm really glad you're able to come on uh we want to keep these t20s short and and like i said I, i feel like this has been happening a lot longer we're getting a lot of good information so we're going a lot a little bit longer but you know i'll say it forever chris I want to have you on more. Uh, you bring the proper information. You, you bring the heat, guy. So so thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, thank you again for having me, man. It's always good to talk some baseball.
0: Yeah. Well, as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything you want to plug.
2: Sure. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Roto Clegg. Um, most of my work is uh, fantasy baseball work. I do enjoy prospects, though. That's a big part of the fantasy game that I, I really like. Um, you can find my work. Now exclusively at Fantrax, Um, you may have seen my work on Prospects Worldwide, and I'm extremely thankful for the opportunity to write there uh, with Jake and the crew. Um, But now I'm exclusively with Fantrax doing uh, fantasy sports writing, which is exciting. So if you like fantasy sports, you can find me there and find all my work there, covering all things from Redraft to Prospects to Dynasty Ball. And so wherever your fantasy needs, you can find us there on Fantrax. And again, I'm just thankful for this opportunity and thankful for this great site. Um, Jake's doing tremendous things. John, killing it with the podcast. So keep up the great work, guys. I appreciate what you do.
1: Thanks, man. Uh, kind of I, I appreciate that, yeah. Don't be a stranger.
2: <laughs> I, I won't be, don't worry.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Jake, what about you? Where where can the, the world find you?
1: Uh, yeah, of course you can find me in Twitter, jtillinghast27, J-T-I-L-L-I-N-G-H-A-S-T-27. Follow us on Twitter, ProspectsWorldW. Uh, you can find us on our site, of course, prospectsworldwide.com. We got a ton of these top 20s going on. I think we got 10 up on the site now. This is our sixth podcast. We got a ton more to get through. As John mentioned, we got all 30 to get through. So we got a lot of stuff coming, and we got some guys working on some MLB content as well. So not straight prospects, not straight draft stuff. So we got some MLB content on debuts or just data analysis on some pitcher breakdowns and stuff. So a lot of cool stuff going on. And as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at Pumarevive. that's
0: P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-B-E-D. And uh, please continue listening to our pod. We'll have a ton more of these episodes coming out over the season. Remember to give us a good review and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com. Click around over there for our player scouting reports, first impressions, team draft recaps, and of course more top 20s. Please, if anyone has any questions about a team list that we haven't done yet, or if you just want to hear us banter about something, send us a line at ProspectsWorldW on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions, and I'll be happy to ask them next time. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.